Before I get into the message today, I want to just kind of have a little family moment for the, for the church. Um, some of you, if you pay attention to the news, realize that uh, this week uh, the city council in Oklahoma City uh, has decided that they're going to let the mask mandate run out at the end of this week on April 30th. Um, if, unless they do something ridiculous on Tuesday, Mayor Holt has said he is 100% sure that the mask mandate is going to run out, and so the restrictions will be lifted across Oklahoma City, which those are the restrictions that we have followed as well. And so um, beginning next Sunday, if all of this holds true this week, then beginning next Sunday, we will lift the masks for, for here for the church. Uh, you will no longer be re required to wear a mask coming into the church. If you would like to wear one, you're more than welcome to wear one. If you look better with the mask, then by all means, can continue to, to wear a mask. Um, or some, for some of us, we're still concerned about health issues. And again, you're more than welcome to wear them and we'll have, we'll have masks available, but we will no longer require them. We're going to remove the ropes from the pews. Let some of you go back to where you used to sit so you can actually sit still in church for a change and all of that kind of good stuff. And um, so everything, as, as far as we're concerned, we're going to take uh, hopefully a, a huge step back toward normal, whatever normal is, uh, beginning this next Sunday. So I don't know about you. I'm kind of excited about that. I don't know about you guys, but I'm kind of excited about that. And, um, yeah, you know, everybody's been on both sides of the fence on this mask thing. And, and I don't, it doesn't really matter to me where you're at with it all, but I just want to say this to you. Thank you. Um, you know, as a board, we're charged with trying to lead you to the best of our ability, uh, in a way that we can stand before God and say, we, we tried to take good care of our people. And I know that for a lot of us, wearing masks wasn't a comfortable thing to do, but you guys uh, participated with us, and you have been supportive, and you have done that. And I am so grateful for you, and I am forever thankful for the way that you have encouraged and stood with us through all of this. And hopefully we can put all of this behind us now as we go forward. Um, in fact, I want to welcome all of you who are watching online that have been waiting for us. You can come home now. We're glad. We're, we're, grateful, we're glad. We'll be glad to have you back, and we're excited to see, uh, see everyone again. In fact... We we thank so much of you, and we're uh, so thankful for the way you've done this. If this is okay with you, I, and I'll have to get your permission, but if this is okay with you, beginning next Sunday, we're going to start serving coffee and donuts again. Is that okay with you? Yeah. 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 I'm kind of excited. I, there are more people excited about coffee and donuts than there are about this sermon series. I guarantee, I guarantee you that, I, because that's your addiction, by the way. That is... <laughs> You know, we announced a few a few weeks ago when we launched a series that June the 3rd, we're going to begin a brand new program called Celebrate Recovery. And Celebrate Recovery is a program to help people find freedom from hurts, habits, and hang-ups in their life. And uh, we talked about from the very beginning of this series that hurts, hang-ups, and habits are stuff that we all deal with. Uh, it's not for this group or for that group. It's stuff that we all uh, need. And whether or not you participate in a recovery program uh, with like-minded people or whether you take this journey in your own circle of, of, of Christian friends or whatever, we all need freedom in our lives. Amen? And we all have stuff we need to be set free from. Um, some of us, it's, um, it's the stuff that we're dealing with uh, of, of anger issues or attitudinal issues. Uh, for some of us, we've got some pain in our past. 
that has still got scar tissue that's, uh, you know, affecting us today. Uh, for, for some of us, we're dealing with, you know, eating this, this uh, issues. Uh, for some of us, it's drugs, or some of us, it's alcohol. Some of us, it's gambling. Some of us, it's pornography. You can fill in the blank. Uh, for some of us, we're grieving, and we've never worked through grief or worked through losses in our life. But where, wherever you find yourself struggling in that, here's what I want you to know. God desires you to be free. Amen? Lord, so where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And this series is about really helping us all claim that. Um, today, I want to I continue in Acts chapter 12. We're looking at a story of Peter when he was put in prison. And we're looking at some principles that we can learn from this about how we find freedom uh, like Peter did. Here we go. Acts chapter 12. We're going to throw it up on the screen. If you want to take your sermon outline out, you can track along with us. Just going to read the first five verses of that scripture today. It says, about that time, King Herod Agrippa began to persecute some believers in the church. He had the apostle James, John's brother, killed with a sword. And when Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish people, he also arrested Peter. Now, this took place during the Passover celebration. Then he imprisoned him, placing him under the guard of four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring Peter out for public trial after the Passover. Now, read this last verse out loud with me. But while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. When I was looking at this series, one of the things when we, when we answer, ask the question, you know, what does Peter teach us? One of the things that you, you, you pick up that is so vitally important is Peter did not go into prison alone. Peter had the Lord God with him, and he had the support of other people. And that jumped off the page at me when I was thinking about how you and I walk in freedom because that is how God intended for us to walk from the very beginning of time. You've heard me say this over and over again. When God created us, he said, it's not good for man to be alone. And so God made us. He shaped us to walk with him and to walk with other people. And yet so many of us don't do that. We try to do this all by ourselves. There was a, a really, I thought, a really funny story in, in the news last week that I, it just tied right into what I'm talking about. Um, hold on that picture. There was a couple of guys who were uh, uh, brothers that were hiking a mountain uh, in Switzerland. Uh, they were going to hike up and ski down, uh, Cyril and Eric Rohr. And about uh, 4,000 feet up this 10,000-foot mountain that they're climbing, they uh, were walking past a wooded area, and they heard a noise in the woods. And it kind of scared them just a little bit because they weren't sure what's there. I'm not sure what kind of wild animals they have in Switzerland, but, you know, uh, whether bears or lions or whatever it may be. But as they walked up, all of a sudden this animal came out of the woods, and here it was. Now throw that picture up for me. It was a cat. <laughs> it was a cat. And what was crazy is this cat came out of the woods, began crying, you know, meowing over and over and over again, came over toward where they were, and this cat began to follow them up this mountain. 
And it never stopped all the way to the top. Throw that next picture up on the screen. They said whenever they would stop, whenever they would pause for a break, the cat would literally come up and start nuzzling itself against them and uh, just kind of purring and getting, getting close. And uh, then as they got closer to the top, they, uh, one of them looked down and realized that the cat was really getting tired. Uh, its little paws were beginning to bleed from the cold and the hard ice that they were on. And so throw that next picture up. They actually put the cat in their backpack and carried it back down the mountain. Now, here is, here is why this was, I, I thought, so apropos for today and funny to me. How many of you have had cats and you just want to publicly apologize? Go ahead. Come on. Yeah, yeah. How many of you are dog people? Yeah, 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 okay. Yeah, my dog will eat your cat. I guess, you know, they're gonna get what, what's funny is if you had a cat, what you know is cats are independent. You know, dogs have masters, cats have servants, right? I mean, that's just, you know, and, and dog, you come home, and what does the dog do? I mean, you walk into the door, what, is, what does the dog do? And dog comes running over, and it's wagging its tail, and it's jumping up on your leg, and it's licking your ankles, and you're like, oh, come on. You know, and the dog's just right there. You come home, what does your cat do? It doesn't even lift its head. If it does, it goes, when's dinner? You know, <laughs> Cats are just, I mean, they're just wired so independent. But it, don't you find it interesting that one of the most independent animals in the world, when it found itself on, on a mountain dealing with life and in trouble, it knew not to be alone. The great part of the story, they, they took the cat down the mountain. They began to ask around, and actually they found that this cat had been missing for four days. And they actually found the owners, and yes, the cat was fine. Here's what hit me. Why don't we do that? You know, one of the things that when we find ourselves struggling sometimes, instead of actually uh, reaching out and allowing God and other people into where we're really struggling, isn't it interesting how we tend to isolate ourselves and we try to do this all by ourselves? Now, that's what I want to talk about today, because here's my belief. I put this on your outline. Satan's greatest tool in keeping us in chains is isolating us. I'm going to say that again. Satan's greatest tool in, in keeping us in chains is isolating us. Now, you say, well, Pastor Steve, why is isolation so bad? Okay, thank, glad you asked. Let me give you a couple reasons. You ready? Here we go. Isolation amplifies your pain. Whatever you're dealing with, whatever you're struggling with, if you isolate, if you pull back and you try to deal with it all by yourself, guess what? That pain, whatever your struggle is, it gets louder. It gets bigger. It becomes more overwhelming. I, lo I love Psalm 25. Every once in a while, the psalm, you can, you can just hear the anxiety within him. And uh, I, I love this as he cries out, and you can tell this is exactly what someone deals with. Uh, Psalm 25, 16 to 17. Read it with me out loud. Turn to me and have mercy, for I am alone and in deep distress. My problems go from bad to worse. Oh, save me from them all. And isn't that true? When we get isolated, they go from bad to worse. Great story. Um, when, I was, when I was living in Phoenix, I used to 
uh, hike the mountains around the Phoenix area for exercise. Phoenix is in a valley, and there are these hiking trails that I used to love to just get on. They were great cardio. And um, when I was, I used to hike them a good bit when I was back when I was in shape and had knees that could do it. And um, there was a, a, a mountain not far from the church called Squaw Peak. And one morning, I got up early, and I went there before I was going into the office. And I got there, and I was uh, pretty much by myself. I got up on the trail, and I started hiking up the canyon wall. And as, as I'm hiking along, uh, it's nice and quiet, and it's a beautiful morning. But about halfway up the, the, the canyon, I heard footsteps behind me. And I realized there was another hiker that had gotten on the trail, and they were catching up to me. Now, I grew up a jock. I'm not a jock anymore. Uh, I used to be a jock, you know, that I, but I, I had that, I still have a little bit of that competitive edge. Yeah, you can understand it. And, and so uh, that particular day, I made the decision nobody was going to pass me that day. You know, I know it's my pride. It's one of my issues. I've got many, but I, I just decided that that was that day. Nobody was going to pass me. And so I decided to pick it up a little bit. And so I'm picked up the pace and I'm striding up the mountain, man. And um, guess what? I'm listening the dude behind me is picking up the pace too. Now I'm thinking, oh, okay, game is on. You know, game is on. Yeah, we're going to do this. And, and so I'm just, I'm just saying, man, I've, I've hiked this mountain before and I'm, I'm really starting to shift it into gear. And I'm trying to think behind me, I'm trying to think, I'm picturing some young stud, you know, back there who thinks he's all of that and a bag of chips, you know. And uh, I'm picturing him coming up the mountain and I'm thinking, he's, he is never going to catch this old guy. Man, I'm just going to, and I'm, I'm striding. And then all of a sudden, as I'm, as I'm walking, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, but what if it's not a young stud? What if it's an old guy? What if it's one of those old guys who takes like 47 vitamins every morning and, you know, and he decided he's going to catch me and I'm going, I can't be passed by an old guy. So I'm ramping it up, you know, another notch and I'm really, man, I'm, 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 you know, I'm just breathing deep, you know, and I'm hiking up and about two thirds, three fourths of the way of the mountain, I had this horrifying thought, horrifying thought. What if it's a girl? Come on, how many of you guys get this completely? And I'm thinking, no, I, I am not going to be passed by a girl. Not today, not this day. And so, baby, I am like, boom, boom, boom. I am, I'm, and I don't, I don't care if I die of a massive heart attack right there on that trail. You know, I'm, I'm going to go down swinging. And I got, I got to the top, baby, and I came up, I crossed that top onto the threshold, and I literally went, yeah. And I turned around to go, I got you. And I turned, and there was nobody there. And I'm like, what? And I'm, you know, I'm like, ooh, ah, ah, you know? And so I, I catch my breath and I start back down the mountain. And as I'm walking down, about a quarter of the way down, all of a sudden I realized what had happened. I was hearing my own footsteps echo off of the canyon wall. I was running from me. You do that. We run from ourselves all the time, don't we? And I thought about that this week when I was working on this because I was thinking as I was going up that trail, do you know what was happening to me? I started telling myself all these stories. And with every story, I got more anxious. 
you know, it's a young guy. I'm going to beat him. It's an old guy. I'm going to beat him. It's a girl. I got to win, you know. And I started, and I was subject to all of these imaginary thoughts in my mind. Look at me. Don't miss this. That's what happens when you get isolated. Whatever it is you're dealing with, when you get isolated, you start telling yourself all these stories. I can't beat this. I'm so ashamed. I'm afraid everybody, everybody knows. Everybody's talking about me. Everybody's doing this. And you start telling yourself, and the devil uses that of that isolation to amplify. He amplifies your shame. He amplifies your anger. He amplifies your feelings of helplessness. He blows all of that stuff up louder and louder and louder, which is why the enemy tries to keep you alone. Give you another one. Isolation keeps people from praying for you. Isolation keeps people from praying for you. Do you understand that in this story in Acts 12, the pivotal statement in this story is verse 5? But while Peter was in prison, the church very earnestly prayed for him. Think about this with me. Peter, Peter was engaged in the church. He was engaged with the other believers. He was engaged in small groups of Christians who, who were gathering together. That's why when Peter found himself in need, the people could pray for him. I put this on your outline. Don't miss this. People can't pray for what people don't know. Amen? And which is why it's so important. And I know, I know it's hard, and I know it's sometimes shaming to, to, to let out what's going on on the inside. I know it's not comfortable sharing the struggle, but how can people pray for you if people don't know what's going on in your life? When people talk about why, why I'm such a big believer and celebrate recovery, I say, you know what? We, every single person needs a safe place where they can share with a group of people what they're wrestling with so they can have other concerned Christians pray for them. And whether that's a, a circle of friends you meet with, whether that's your small group, whether that's your Sunday school class, or whether that's a group in Celebrate Recovery, we all need the prayers of other people. Amen. James said, confess your sins to who? One another. And then do what? Pray for one another that you may be healed. Let me say that again. Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. And then this is what he said. The prayers of righteous people are powerful and effective. Please don't miss this. You're going to discover in, in a week or two, God answered the prayers of the church who were praying for Peter, and he found his freedom. You, the key to your future, the key to your freedom, may be your vulnerability in allowing people to pray for you. Paul didn't mind asking for prayer. Look what Paul says in Romans 15. He said, Dear brothers and sisters, I urge you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to join my struggle by doing what? Praying to God for me. He said, do this because of your love for me, given to you by the Holy Spirit. Pray that I will be rescued. Man, when I read that this week, I'm thinking, I wonder how many of our journeys might be different if we just found enough courage to gather a few people we really trusted and say, pray that I might be rescued. Here's where I'm bound. Here's where I'm struggling. Here's where I'm chained. Pray with me that I might be rescued. Can I get you to a tangent point with that? Isolation also prevents you from connecting to the help you need. 
It prevents you from connecting to the help that you need. Not only is it about people praying for you, it's about people also being able to, to come alongside you and help you. I can't tell you how many times I've had someone in my office who shares something that's going on and say, Pastor, I'm, you know, I don't, I'm not sure what to do. And I, I look at them and say, well, you know what? I've got some resources that I can direct in your direction, you know, and I got, I've got some people I can connect you with, or I've got some programs I can connect you to. You know, I've got this. People say, wow, I didn't know that help was available. Well, of course you didn't. You never asked. And when you're isolated, when you're all alone, you don't know that that kind of help is available. There's a crazy story. Um, a kid named Stephen Stanzik, who went to uh, New York University uh, a few years back and um, uh, did good his freshman year. Parents were not going to help him in college, so he was having to pay for it all by himself. Very expensive, uh, New York University there in Manhattan. And uh, second year, a sophomore year, when he got there, he, he'd been working four jobs, but he, he could not come up with the $1,000 down payment to move into the dorm. And so this became where he lived. Throw that picture up on the screen. That's the library. The Borst, Elmer Borst Library on, on, the, on campus uh, at, at NYU. And um, what he would do is he, he found out that there was a basement area. And so then late at night, he would slip down into the basement uh, when they would lock, were locking the library up and, you know, get, get in a place where they, nobody could see him. And he had his backpack and his computer and all that kind of stuff with him. And, and so he'd get down there and he said he would pull chairs together and he was sleeping on these chairs. He did the, can you believe it? He did this for eight months. Eight months, this sophomore was going down in the library. He would get up in the morning. He would go in the restroom, and he would wash off in the sink. He said every, every week or so, he would, he would try to you know, ask a classmate who was heading into the dorm, hey, do you mind if I come in and get a quick shower and, you know, and try to give him some, you know, some kind of lame excuse why he needed to do that just so he could you know, kind of stay hygienic and all that kind of stuff. But he did this for eight months. He was writing an online blog. And somehow when he was writing this blog, he, he happened to mention something uh, about sleeping in the library. And that's when kind of the, the, the lights went on for people who knew him. And they began, to, and it kind of went viral. And all of a sudden they found out, well, the New York University officials found out. And they, they found him, and they, 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 they caught him, and, they, and he thought he was going to be expelled. But what was crazy is I said, Steve, why didn't you come to us? We have help. For students who couldn't afford to get in the door, we could have helped you. You didn't have to stay in the library. You didn't have to sleep on the street. You're a registered student of NYU. We would have helped you find a room. And they moved him in to a dorm room that he could stay in. Are you, are you getting this? You, for eight months, he put himself through misery, and he did it needlessly. All he had to do was not isolate himself. Because the moment he began to share his need, he found that there were people willing to help. Look at me. You're not alone unless you want to be. Amen? You're not alone unless you want to be. There are multitudes of people around you who not only love you, not only care about you, will not only pray for you, we will help you. I love what Paul says in Galatians 6, 2. He said, this is the way we ought to live. Read it with me out loud. Share each other's burdens, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. Just hear my heart. 
Many of us would be more than willing to pray for and help someone else who would share their need with us. We need to allow them the same privilege by us sharing our need with them. Let me give you one more. Isolation keeps you from the liberating power of God. Isolation keeps you from the liberating power of God. Look at me. I want you to hear my heart. Many of us try to do this journey all by ourselves. Many of us try to think, you know, we, we believe this stuff that we ought to be able to just, you know, pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. We ought to be able to find our own way. We don't, you know, I don't need anybody. I don't need, look at me. Yes, you do. God created you to need him. God created you in such a way that the way that your life will be filled with the freedom and abundance that he has planned is only when you walk uh, in, in harmony with him. Paul, Paul never said, I can do anything. Paul never said, I can, I, I, can, I can have victory over anything, that I can do this all by himself. Paul said, I can do all things, how? Through Christ who gives me the strength. Paul said, we are more than conquerors, how? Through Christ Jesus, our Lord. When we isolate and we try to do this all by ourselves, we just take our situation from bad to worse. God, look at me. God loves you. God wants to help you. Some of us, when we, especially when we get neck deep in shame, uh, have this idea that somehow God is mad at us. God is angry at us. God doesn't want us. He does want you. He died for you. And there's no extent that God won't go to set you free. Psalm 70, verse 5, Psalm that says, But as for me, I am poor and needy. Come quickly to me, O God. Read it with me. You are my help and my deliverer. Lord, do not delay. And when you come, when you really get in your heart to a place where you really want that freedom and you humble your heart before God, look at what Jesus says. Read it with me. So if the Son sets you free, you are truly free. Luke chapter 15, there is a, a story that Jesus tells about a father who had two sons. The younger son went to his father. And he said, I'd, I'd like to get my share of the inheritance, and I want to do life on my own. And so he did. You remember the story? The kid made a mess of his life. He spent all of his money on wild living, and it wasn't long until he was broke and friendless. And he ended up in a pigsty, feeding pigs. And here's what the Bible says. The Bible said that as he was feeding the pigs, he was so hungry, he wanted to eat what the pigs were eating. That's called hitting bottom. And then there's a statement that may be one of the most remarkable statements in the New Testament. Here's what it says. And he came to his senses. And when he came to his senses, you know what happened? He realized, I, I don't have to do this by myself. I have nowhere to go. I'm going to go home to my father. And I'll, I'll tell my dad that I, I'm not worthy of being a son, but I'll, I'll come back and be a servant. I, I know that dad will at least let me be a servant. And, and the Bible says that he, he started home. And I, and I can just imagine, because shame has been one of my issues through life. 
And I can just imagine walking home and the stories you tell yourself about what dad was going to say and what dad was going to do. And some maybe, maybe some thoughts that dad was just going to laugh and say, why would I take you back? Or maybe dad standing on the porch with his arms folded saying, yeah, I knew you'd come crawling home one day. All these thoughts that he had about how his father was going to respond. But you remember what the Bible says? It says, as the boy started home while he was still a long way off, the father saw him. The Bible says that the father ran to where his son was. And he scooped his up in his arms. And he hugged him. And he kissed him. He put clean clothes on him. He put new shoes on him. He, he, he brought him back home. He said, this son of mine that was lost is now found. My son was dead. And now he's alive. Look at me. I have no idea what you struggle with. No idea with where you might find yourself in change day, but this is what I can tell you. You take one step toward God, and he will come running to you. Amen. Well, this morning, I want that to be our, our, our prayer. Just a second, Rachel's going to lead us in a song, just a beautiful song. It basically helps us to sing those words. And, and today, I, I just want to give you a few moments just to lean into God and to turn to him and in your own heart, to, to, to take a step toward him, to, to make your heart known to him, to say, God, this is what I'm struggling with. This is where I'm wrestling with. This is where I need. Look at me. Stop isolating. Stop trying to do this all by yourself. You weren't made to do this by yourself. And you don't have to. God's waiting with open arms. And I promise you, we as a church are waiting with open arms to walk with you every step of the way. Our fathers, we come before you today. We are overwhelmed at times by your grace. Your word says that if we confess our sin, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sin, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If any man be in Christ, he's a brand new creation. Behold, the old is gone and all things become new. It doesn't matter where we've been. doesn't matter what we've done. doesn't matter how long it's been going on. Lord, your grace is greater than all of our failure. Your grace is greater than all of our mess. Your grace is greater than all of our issues. Your grace is greater than all of our sin. And Lord, as we come today, we open our hearts to you. Lord, the enemy has often wanted us to isolate and try to do this on our own. And as long as we keep it a secret, as long as we keep it to ourselves, as long as we keep it just something that we alone deal with, we will forever be enslaved by it. But the day we open our heart and we invite you to come alongside of us and do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Lord, that's the first step toward freedom. Lord, recovery says that not only do we have to admit we're powerless, but we have to come to a place where we acknowledge that we need a higher power, stronger than ourselves, to save us from this. Well, Lord, we know that higher power's name. His name is Jesus. He is our, our liberator. He is our redeemer. He is the one who can break these chains. If the Son sets us free, then we're free indeed. So, Father, today, I pray you would wrap your arms of grace around each and every person crying out to you. 
I pray, Father, that they would put the full weight of all they're carrying upon their, your shoulders. I pray today that they would find that there is someone, a, a God who is willing to walk with them no matter where they go, one who will never leave them or forsake them. Father, I pray that you would help us to come out of hiding, to stop masking ourselves and, and hiding this stuff away. But Lord, that we would get real with you, real with each other, that we would find that there's real hope and there's real power and, and there's real freedom when we step into the truth and we lay it honestly before you. So God, thank you today. Meet us here this morning. Lead us as we walk this week, as we walk one hand with you and another hand with each other, just the way you intended. In your precious name we pray this morning. And everyone said, Amen.